church. Guys, can you help me um, just celebrate God? We turned six months today. Like, can we celebrate God? Come on, it's our six-month birthday, like what God is doing in our church. We've seen over 100 people surrender their hearts to Jesus right here in this auditorium. So I'm so grateful for what God is doing um, through our church. And guys, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to help people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Um, and we also want everybody to know that you're loved, that you belong, and you matter. And I hope that you've been able to experience some of that since you've been with us on today. Um, so today, I'm, I'm pumped, I'm excited because we are continuing our message series. Actually, today is our finale of learning from legends. Now, I wanna give y'all a little spoiler alert. I got two spoilers for you guys. You will definitely want to be in church next weekend. Um, you wanna tell as many people as possible about church. Um, I got two things that I'm super excited about that's happening next week. Next week, we are starting a brand new message series called Every Day I Fight. You are going to want to be in church. There is a spiritual battle, a spiritual war that takes place every single day of our lives, and we have to learn how to fight. And next week, it's like, I'm going to take y'all down in the basement next week, right? Like, we're going to put on the boxing gloves next week. I don't, anybody with the old school dad, like, you went downstairs and he taught you how to fight? Like, I, I came from that. And next week, we're going to learn how to wage war um, in the most productive way that every Christian needs to know how to fight. So I'm excited about next week. Every day I fight starts next Sunday. Um, but also, we are going to be sharing some huge news with you guys next week. Um, I'm going to keep you all on a cliffhanger. I'm not going to say anything else about it. You got to be in church next week to hear this news. You're going to want to be there. Well, today we are, are, are finalizing our learning from legends. And today, we're going to pick an unlikely legend. I believe that God uses the unlikely to do things for his glory. He uses the small things to confound the wise. He uses the foolish things um, to confound the wise and um, to demonstrate his glory in the earth. And so today, we are going to learn from a legend that had a completely flawed life. We're going to learn from a legend that, um, got that, that messed up more than he got it right. I don't know about you. I don't know what your story is, but I've went through seasons where I got it wrong more than I got it right. And today we're going to learn from the legend none other than Samson. Today we're going to learn from the legend Samson. So if you guys can um, go to Hebrews chapter 12 with me, we're going to read our text scripture. Um, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Listen, God has a race that he has called you to run. He's got a finish line with you in mind, but he wants you to enjoy the journey. And one of the things that causes us to not enjoy the journey of running the race that God has set before us is that we've got weights on. Sometimes we're trying to run a race that God has called us to run, and we have all sorts of things in our lives that trip us up, causes us to stumble, and we've got some sins that we've, we've you know, we all have sins that we need to overcome, and that's uh, including me. Listen, I am not above reproach. I deal with the same temptations that you guys deal with as well, and I've got to run my race, and I've got to be careful to strip off every weight and the sin that that easily causes us to slip and stumble. And before, this message is not, listen, this message is not the, for the person next to you, right? Like this, this message is not for, dang, like they should have been in church today. This was for them. No, this message is for you. Let the church say amen. All right, so look, Samson was called by God to be one of the judges of, of Israel. 
Samson was uh, given supernatural strength and ability from God to, um, to defeat or beat down or even kill anyone that contested him. Samson was a mighty man. Samson was so strong, he caused buildings to collapse when he pushed the columns of the building. Samson had amazing strength. He had amazing potential. And this message is for everyone in the room who has amazing potential. Because not only does God know that you have potential, Satan knows that you have potential. And he does not want you to fulfill the call of God that is on your life. So what is he going to do? He's going to try to put weights on you. He's going he's gonna to try to put stumbling blocks in front of you. And today we're going to learn from a legend um, who's going to show us that you don't destroy your life at once. You destroy your life one step at a time. You don't destroy your life all at once. You destroy your life one step at a, at a time. So even though Samson had amazing strength, your strength is meaningless if you lose your sight. And Samson is going to tell us, he's gonna, he, he's gonna, we're going to pull Samson down from this huge crowd of witnesses that we have in heaven. And these huge, this huge crowd of witnesses are cheering us on in our race. And, and we're going to pull Samson down today, and he's going to run a couple laps with us in our race today. And he's going to share with us that you don't destroy your life all at once. You destroy your life one step at a time. So there are three don'ts that we're going to learn from Samson. There are three don'ts that we're going to learn from Samson. And the first don't that we're going to learn from Samson is don't lose sight of your calling. Don't lose sight of your calling. Judges chapter 13, verse 5, we're going we're gonna to pick up in this verse, and we're going to see that an angel of the Lord came to Samson's mother before she gave birth to Samson. And the angel of the Lord is going to tell Samson what he's, or, or is going to call, uh, tell his mom what Samson is called to do. And so the angel of, of the Lord tells, tells uh, his mom in verse 5, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth, and he will, he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So look, because of um, Israel's disobedience to God, they were enslaved by the Philistines for 40 years. And God called Samson to be a judge of the people to turn the people's hearts back to God. And God also called Samson to deliver the children of Israel um, out of the hand of the Philistines. And God equipped Samson again with incredible strength that if anything contested Samson, he would be able to take it down. And Samson would tell us that if you lose sight of your calling, you won't live like your life matters. If you lose sight of your calling, you will live like your life, or you will live, or you won't live like your life matters. God told Samson's parents that his life would matter so he could not live like everyone else. And that's a message in, in and of itself that I want to display today that you've got to live like your life matters. You need to live in light of your calling. What has God said about your life? What has God said about your ministry? What has God said about your career? What has God said about your future? What has he said about your family? And you need to live your life with that in mind. That every single day that I wake up, there are certain things that I just will not do because I love my wife. Come on, church. That when I wake up in the morning, there are certain temptations and urges that I have to fight because I want to live a legacy that my daughter can be proud of long after I'm gone. We have to live like our lives matter. And there are certain things that I will not indulge in that may not necessarily be sin, I won't participate in because I know that 
I have to get up Sunday morning and I want to be the guy that is the same in every room. I don't want to be a different guy when I get on a platform. I want to be the same guy that, that when I go home and lay my head at night and lay my head down, or when I'm watching TV all by myself, or when I'm on a computer screen by myself, or when I'm on Instagram by myself, I want to be the same guy on Instagram or scrolling on Instagram as I am on this stage. Am I perfect? Absolutely not but we've got to live as if our lives matter. You cannot lose sight of your call. What has God said about you? God said that Samson would be the deliverer of people. God said that Samson would have incredible strength. God told Samson's mother that a razor isn't supposed to touch his hair because his hair was supposed to be a symbol of his holiness. You see, there's a direct correlation between holiness and strength. Come on, church. That if we will, if we will, um, if we will sacrifice our holiness, or if we will compromise our holiness, you are compromising your strength. That you want to know why like, we get so fearful when the, the, the enemy comes and the enemy tries to attack or, or we get faced with a, a bad doctor's report or we get faced with bad news. We feel like we deserve the bad things that are happening in our lives because we're living in a bad way. But the reality is when, you're, when you live the life that God called you to live, a holy life, a life that is set apart from the rest, just like Samson was supposed to be set apart from the rest, you know that when you're set apart, God sets you up to be able to have strength to overcome what the enemy is trying to bring your way. But when you lack holiness, you lack strength. Come on, church. Can I get an amen on that? Was that good preaching, y'all? Like, we've got, to be, we've got to be a church that gets back to, to honoring God. We've got, to, we've got to get back to honoring what God has called us to do. Samson was called to, to live holy. Samson was called to deliver the children of Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And I believe that Samson would tell us this today, that if you don't know your why, you'll waste your life. If you don't know your why, you'll waste your life. What has God called you to do? What's your calling? And look, I want to say this. I want to, I want to go on record and I want to say this loud and clear. I want everybody in the room to know that calling just doesn't mean preaching from a platform. Calling is you representing God in corporate America. Come on, church. Calling represents you. Uh, listen, if you're God's real, if you're if you're a realtor, you need to you need to understand that as soon as you meet with the family and find out their needs for their home, you are God's listing agent for that property. You are to represent God in the real estate market. If you are a lawyer, when you take your 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 position in the courtroom, you are God's representation of what justice is in the courtroom your calling has nothing to do with holding a mic in your hand and preaching the gospel of Jesus no your your life is to preach the gospel of Jesus no matter what room you're in and you can't lose sight of your calling because if you do you'll live as if your life doesn't matter. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says, says it this way, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. So when you don't have revelation in your life, you won't live like your life matters. Samson would say it this way, no revelation, no restraint. Or we could say it this way, when we will be reckless when we have no revelation. You see, when you don't have a revelation for your life, it won't matter who you marry. It won't matter who you date. You'll take whoever approaches you first. 
because you have no revelation of where your life is supposed to go, right? Like, it won't matter what job you take. It won't matter if you get wasted every weekend. It won't matter if you party every single day and live life like you don't matter. The reality is, when you have a revelation of your life, you'll know how valuable you are. And you won't let a guy do what, guy, what only guys want to do with your body. No, you will recognize that your body is the temple of the only living God. And you won't let any big-headed little dude like treat you in a way in which your body is not supposed to be treated because you are the temple of Christ. And the same thing goes for us guys, like you'll understand when you realize that your life matters, when you realize that, that you are, are called to live a godly life because you're called by God to be his representation in the earth, God will call you away from your computer screen. God will call you away from the explore feature on Instagram. Come on, church. I'm preaching way better than y'all saying amen right now. You've got to live like your life matters, and you cannot lose sight of the fact that you are called by God. God has a purpose, and he has a plan for your life. Uh, Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God has a future for you in mind. God has a plan a bright future for you in mind. And it's not a disastrous plan that God has for you. It's a good plan. He is a good, good father who wants to do good things for you today. But the reality is you've got to live in a way that honors him so that he can show you his goodness. You've got you've to live like your life counts, like your life matters. God has called you before you were formed in your mother's womb. God called you. God called you to be his vessel of honor in the world so that people can look to you. And it should be that when people look at your life, they'll see Christ. It should be that when people, when your coworkers look to you in stressful moments, they should see Christ. Ooh, come on, church. How do you handle stress? Jesus, that's not in my notes. I'm going to just keep going, right? I think the second thing that Samson would tell us, the don't that he would tell us is don't lose sight of relationships. Don't lose sight of relationships. So in, in Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, I want to read this passage. It says, One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. And when he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman um, in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe where among all the Israelites you can marry? Then he says, uh, then it's, they, they, they go on to ask him, why must you go to the pagan Philistine to find a wife? But Samson told his father, get her for me. She looks good to me. Listen, the reality is we need relationships. We need people in our lives that will tell us that just because they look good doesn't mean that they're good for us. Samson went against his parents, or he went against relationship. He went against the good relationships that he had. We all need people in our lives to speak into our lives. When you make decisions that can alter everything, that can cause you to forfeit your calling, that can cause you to forfeit your family and your career and all of the, the hard work that you put in to honor God, one moment it can be taken away from you. When you don't allow people to speak into your life, all it'll take is for you to get hooked up with the wrong person at the wrong time, and it can change everything. Somebody know I'm preaching. Samson would tell us, look, do not lose sight of relationships because I lost sight 
of relationships. Samson told his father, look, I, I, look, I hear you, but I ain't hearing you right now. I want her. I like, I like what I see, and I want it. And I'm going to just like be completely transparent. This is every dude's struggle. This has been the struggle since Adam and Eve. That they saw fruit on the tree and it looked good to their eyes and they had to have it. But Samson is trying to tell us, listen, you've got to break the mold. You cannot continue down this path. I went down this path and it cost me everything. Listen, I need you to hear me, Samson would say. Listen to those that God has placed in your life because they will care for your soul and they will help you not go down a destructive path. All I knew is that I, I, I liked what I saw and I felt like I had to have it. So Samson's parents obliged. And how many times the, is the people in our lives just kind of obliging? They don't agree, but they oblige because they don't want to lose our relationship with them. How many times have you convinced yourself that this is going to be okay, that, that God is okay with my decision? How many times do you justify your actions and when you knew you were wrong once, but you've justified it so much that you've convinced yourself that you were right, that it's okay, that God understands. But the reality is God is really black and white. It's not a whole lot of gray when it comes to God. He spells it out pretty plainly in Scripture, doesn't he? And then we've got godly counsel around us, but are we using the godly counsel that God has placed in our lives? And the reality is this. I believe Samson would tell us this, you can only see what you can see. I want that to sink in. You can only see what you can see. But God created us with blind spots. Listen, every single time I get in a car with my wife, she reminds me that I have blind spots. And sometimes her reminder is friendly, sometimes not so much. Right, sometimes, sometimes she really like reacts like, boy, if you don't turn your head and realize that you got a car in the other lane, you better get it together. My life matters in this car, right? And so, so, but the reality is this, like when we're in our car, we've got a big windshield ahead of us and we can see out right in front of us. We can see that pretty good, most of us, most of us. Some people in Dallas, I don't know, right? Um, but, but most of us, for the most part, like we can see pretty good like out in front of us. And then we've got like a smaller uh, 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 vi visual um, right above head, right? Like in, we've got a rear view mirror where we can kind of see behind us. This mirror is smaller. And then we've got, we've got two mirrors on either side of us, we've got side view mirror. We got side mirrors where we can see like if a car is approaching um, for the most part. These mirrors are smaller. See, you need to understand this about yourself. You have one angle that you can really see clearly. And then you've got a second option where you can kind of see it. You can't see everything, but you've got a smaller mirror above head. And then you have two smaller mirrors on the side. And sometimes if we try to get out of our lane and switch lanes by just looking out of the side mirrors and not consult with the person that we are riding with, you'll still get into an accident because you got a car in your blind spot. Some of us got a woman in our blind spot. Some of us got, has a, a, a bad career option in our blind spot. Some of us have our cellular device and it is the biggest blind spot that we have ever had some of us for some of us it's a porn site that's uh, that's blocking the rest of our site some of us it's a bad toxic relationship some of us it's a late night text message when you're feeling lonely and it is a blind spot and you need somebody in the car with you to be able to tell you that you've got a blind spot and you will wreck your life if you continue down that path we got blind spots and I believe that God created us to have blind spots. And the reason why he created us with blind spots is because he needs you to know that you can't see everything by yourself and you have been called into community. We need community. We need community. You cannot do life alone. 
Samson abandoned his community, and he made one of the worst decisions of his life. And as a matter of fact, Samson's life would be defined by having poor relationships. He would spend the rest of his life being defined by his poor relationship choices. But the reality is, it's not just Samson. We will be defined by our relationship choices. From here on out, you will be defined by who you hang out with. You will be defined by the people that are around you. Whether you like it or not, you will be defined by that because you cannot, you cannot exceed your environment. Hear me good, church. You cannot exceed your environment. Those that are around you will define your life. And Samson will be defined by those that, were, that are around him or that were around him. I love 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. It says, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Samson hooked up with a woman, a Philistine woman, a woman that was sinful, that did not honor God. And look, I, I don't know who I'm, I'm talking to right now, but somebody's either in a relationship, you're thinking about a relationship, or going to the next level, and the person that you're with, they don't love God. Now listen, I just want to, I want to spend some time here and, and tell you guys, like, look, like, you've got a decision that, you, that, that you're going to have to make because it's kind of like this, and I will give this example all the time when I was in youth ministry, that if, if you have, if I'm standing right here and I put, I would do this, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't want anybody to slip and fall and get hurt, but if I'm standing here and I had a chair right next to me, and I had, and I, I was the one standing in the chair, and I asked somebody to stand in the, in the position that I am right now, and I would ask the person standing next to me to, to pull me up, to pull, I would try to pull this person up with me on the chair. It's impossible. But what's not impossible is for the person that's standing next to me to pull me down from the chair. And that's what it looks like. That's the struggle. You're constantly trying to pull somebody up to love God the way that you do. Come on, church. Constantly, there's this constant tension in battle where you're like, hey, like, man, like, I, 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 and, and, and again, like, it, it's okay. I, I understand it. Like, you really love this person, and I'm not shading you. Like, I'm not judging at all, but this will be a lifelong struggle because here's the deal. Salvation is of the Lord. If the Lord hasn't opened their eyes, you sure won't. So there will be a struggle where you're constantly trying to, to persuade the person. You're constantly trying to lift them up. But the reality is, as you're trying to lift them up, you'll lose your strength. And before you know it, your faith will be compromised. And you'll do things that you said you wouldn't do. Come on, church. We need relationships. We need people to be able to speak into our lives. Now look, check this out. So later on in Samson's life, this is so tragic. Later on in Samson's life, Samson, he, he completely lived in isolation. He, he lived in isolation away from all the godly people that he was supposed to surround himself with. He was in isolation. And Samson found himself journeying back to Philistine, to, to, to the land of the Philistines. Now, I need y'all to get this. I wish I could tell y'all that Samson was going back to the, to the Philistines to go to war against the Philistines and to make a difference for God. But the reality is, Samson went back to the land of the, of the Philistines to sleep with the prostitute. Now, now, now I, I, I need y'all to really get the magnitude because Samson traveled on foot everywhere that he went. Do you know how long um, it, do you know how many miles it was for Samson to get to where he was going to sin against God? 25 miles on foot. Now, I'm a geek, all right? Like, I'm just, listen, like, I know I got skinny jeans and it's holes in them and, you know, it may or may not be cool, but I'm a dork. Like, I'm, I'm super dorky when it comes to this kind of thing. So I'm like, um, how many steps is in 25 miles? 
guys, I need y'all to really understand that Samson took 56,250 steps. Does anybody count steps right now? Anybody counting steps? I got a couple people. Look, and I know this is a big thing, and you're stepping towards a goal, right? Like you're stepping towards maybe like, like better health, you know, better heart, you know, like, like burning some calories, like that sort of thing, right? Samson was not counting steps so that he can get to something that would not reward him. Samson took 56,250 steps to commit sin against God. And now we could be sitting here and we could be like, man, like, why, why in the world would he do this? Like, why, like do you understand, like, like 50, over 56,000 steps, like, you had to walk 25 miles just to sleep with a prostitute. Do you know that you were going to kill your strength? Like, don't you know that you were going to commit sin against God? Don't you know that you were going to compromise your call? Why in the world would you do that? But here's the deal. We're all taking steps towards something. Where are you going? Where would your steps lead you in the end? If you were the legend that we would pull down from heaven's hall of fame and, and we would be talking about your life, at the end of your life, where would we say you were going? Would we say you were, you were going towards God's calling for your life? Were you going down a path that God would be pleased with? Were you going down a path that would bring glory to God and fame to God? Or were you going down a path, a wrong path, that we would be learning don'ts from? Because some of us, and, and here's the thing that blows my mind. Not only did Samson take over 56,000 steps to, to, to sin against God, Samson had 56,000 250 opportunities to turn back around. You know what, you want to know what helps us to turn back around? Making sure that we're not journeying alone because you can only see what you can see. Your mind has the potential to convince you to sin against God any given day. And we all need people in our corner that'll be able to say, hey man, I think your thinking is wrong. Like, have you thought about it this way? We need people in our lives to tell, to tell us, hey, girl, um, I, know, I know he tall, dark, and handsome. He got, he got biceps and his chest is right. Like, he, he tall, like, he got a good job, girl. But, like, hey, um, he's not honoring God, though. We all need friends. We all need people to consult with. We all need people that will be able to help to check us when we need to be checked. And it ain't a person in this room, including me, that don't need to be checked. We all need to be checked. So Samson journeyed all this way to commit sin against God. And, and, but here's, here's the deal. Some of us have, have clicked on the wrong websites over 50,000 times. Some of us has scrolled through our Explorer feature on Instagram and we've seen twerk videos 56,000 times. Some of us have sent 56,000 text messages to the wrong guy responding to him and you know you shouldn't have even given him your phone number but you was lonely and you texted 56,000 characters and you weren't supposed to. So before we judge Samson, we need to kind of turn the light on ourselves. And we need to say, hey, how, how can I embrace some godly relationships so that I can make sure that I'm living my life in a way that will please God? So here's the deal. How do you destroy your life? One step at a time. Samson didn't just like all of a sudden ruin his life. Samson didn't all of a sudden just like, man, like, you know, I was just minding my own business. And like, man, I didn't see like a bed fell from heaven and it was this prostitute in it. And I tripped and like she ended up being on me. And I'm like, girl, what you doing? And it was too late. <laughs> Wasn't his story. It's not his story at all. 
it was really calculated. And if we'll really be honest with ourselves, when we go the wrong way, it's really calculated. It really, it really uh, uh, caused us to, to have a lot of thinking involved. Like our minds had to be really engaged with the sin that we wanted to, that we wanted to indulge in. Am I preaching church? Because y'all, it feel like a Catholic church in here right now. And I, I don't, I'm not really like, that's not really my flow, right? Like, but so Samson would tell us, look, you'll destroy your life one step at a time. Um, but you can get it right one step at a time. And so here's what Samson would tell us next. Here's the third don't. Don't lose sight of the power of God. Don't lose sight of the power of God. So look, not only did Samson take over 56,000 steps towards sleeping with a prostitute, she wasn't enough for him. Samson finds another woman, Philistine woman, another woman that does not honor God. And y'all see a pattern? Like the enemy tempts us in patterns. Have, have y'all seen that yet? in your own life, that there's a pattern of temptation that the enemy throws at you. And I, listen, y'all are not going to want to miss this next series. Like, y'all have got to be there every single week. I promise y'all, y'all are going to be so blessed because we're going to talk about the enemy and how he fights. But so, verse 19, it says, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep. Brothers, let me just say, don't let no woman lull you to sleep. You hear what I'm trying to tell y'all? Like, look, if you are not married to this woman, do not get in a situation where she can lull you to sleep. I, look, look, like, let's read the Bible as it is, right? Like, she put it on Samson. Like, she put it on his brother so bad, she, she, he completely, like, just completely, like, passed out. Like, could not even move. All right, like, like, can we just say that, like, in church today? Can we be free to say that? Don't let no one, y'all might want to tweet that. Don't let her lull you to sleep, right? Like, somebody need to text their brother that day. Don't let that girl lull you to sleep. So, so Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. That's a whole nother message, y'all. That's a whole nother message. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair in this way she began to bring him down and his strength left him look are you in a relationship that's bringing you down come on can we be real and transparent in church you don't have to lift your hands like that's more of a just a kind of a self kind of checkup type of question are you in a relationship that's, that's stripping you of your strength? Come on. I believe that Samson would ask us those questions today. And then in verse 20, it says that she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. You better wake up. And it says, it's all good. Like, he, he's the typical dude response, right? Oh, it's straight. It's straight. I'll do what I, I'll, I'll do what I did last time. I'm going to shake myself, and I'm going to drop all them fools, right? Like, this regular, like, typical dude response, right? Oh they, oh, they, oh, they don't want it with me, right? Like, they don't want it with me. They outside right now? Watch, watch what, girl, watch what I do. And he went outside, and he got it handed to him. So, but here's the thinking. You see, Delilah had asked Samson three other times, what's the source of your strength, baby, so that I can capture you? Like, like hold, hang on a second. Like, baby, you asked me what? Like, like, this should be red flag number one, right? Like, this would be like, baby, what's the pin number to your bank account so I can empty that mug out? <laughs> right? Like, like, like. <laughs> Like, 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 are you serious? Like, I'm, I'm like dead reading this. Like, are you serious right now? And so she's like, how do you, what's the key to your strength? Like, tell me. And Samson lied to her three times. But the crazy part is she actually did what he told her would cause him to lose his strength. 
But every single time, God was with him. God was with him through those three times. Even though he was in sin, God was still with him. God is so good. He is so gracious. He is so loving that you can be in the middle of your mess, but God's power will still be with you. Get this, for a season. For a season. You see, Samson, Samson was like, well, God was with me last time. Like, like I know the word says don't do this, but, like, God was with me, though. So I feel like I can do it again. Come on, man, this is where we get in trouble. And we've all had these thoughts. Oh, God, God was with me that last time, so, like, I feel like he'll be with me this time, too. Like, like, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but God is good, God is gracious, and I'll be able to handle my business still. God is still going to promote me on my job. Like, God is still going to make sure my needs are met. God is still going to make sure that I got food on my table. Like, I know I'm not supposed to be, like, turning up every weekend and getting drunk. Like, I know I'm not supposed to be with this guy, but God is still going to provide for me. Like, I got a, a raise, so I feel like I'm good. And this is the mentality that Samson had. So he got out there and he shook himself again. But this time, he didn't realize that God had left him. You see, when our lives are patterned by disobedience to God and we refuse to get it right, because God gives us a season to repent, right? Doesn't he? He's so gracious and he gives us a season to get it right. But when we continue to pattern our lives after sinfulness, after disobedience to God, God will step back. And he will remove his power for you, from you so that you can feel how life will really be away from him. Y'all getting that, church? Like God will remove his strength from you so that you can really feel how life would be like. Because the reality is when we live in disobedience to God, we're trying to be our own God. And after a while, God will get you to see, okay, you want to do this by yourself, baby? Like, I love you. This breaks my heart. But I'm going to do life back here now so that you can see how life will be without me. And this is what happens to Samson. Samson goes out there. God left him. And them Philistines whooped his butt. Like, they actually gouged his eyes out so that he couldn't see. But I believe Samson would tell us that you don't have to lose your eyes in order to be blind. Samson was blind well before he lost his eyes. He was blind well before he lost his eyes. And he would tell us, hey, before it's too late, you got to wake up. Like, like before it's too late, before you, you destroy everything, before you ruin your life, you have got to open your eyes to the fact that God is gracious. He's so loving. He's so powerful. But we've got to actually protect his, his presence. We've got to protect his presence. So listen, check this out really fast as I, I, I begin to to enter into this last leg of the, the race of this sermon that I want to I share with you guys. I want to give you three keys to finishing your race. Number one, protect the presence of God. Protect the presence of God. You may be asking, well, pastor, how do I do that? Like, how, like that sounds amazing, but like, how do I, in a practical way, how do I protect the presence of God? Here's the answer, and it's very simple. Keep God first in every area of your life. So just here's a, a quick survey. Are you keeping God first in your dating relationship? Are you keeping God first in your marriage? Come on, husbands. Are you keeping God first in your finances? Right, like, are you bringing God the tithe? Are you bringing him what, what belongs to him? Are you honoring him with the first fruits of your income? Come on, church, I lost all the amens on that point. I don't know, might need to go, go back to my blessed life on y'all real quick. But like, seriously, like, are we keeping God first in every area of your life? Is God first on Friday night? 
Come on, is God, is God first in your text messages? Is he first on Instagram? Keeping God first on every, in every area of your life, is he first in your career? Is he first? We've got to keep God first. We have to protect the presence of God. Number two, we need to choose relationships carefully. We need to choose relationships carefully. We've got to choose them so carefully. Look, don't just trust anybody with your heart. I don't, I don't know who this is for. Like, like I woke up really burdened for somebody. And I feel like somebody here, like I sense the presence of God saying, like there's somebody here that's really like perplexed about a relationship. And I, I'm here to let you know, like, like God has you on his mind. And he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free to love him more than you love anybody else. I woke up with you on my heart this morning, and I need you to know, I, I really need you to know, you've got to protect the presence of God. And you've got to choose relationships carefully. So here's a little breakdown of what I mean by, um, by choosing relationships carefully. We've got to nurture the important relationships. We've got to nurture the important relationships. Who has God really called you to be in relationship with, whether it's marriage, whether it's dating, or whether it's a friendship, whether it's a parent, um, whoever, whatever the case may be, or a child. We've got to nurture the important relationships that we have. What does that mean? Whatever is important to your spouse needs to be important to you. Come on, man. Like, guys, like, I'm, I'm preaching to us today. If, look, my wife's been on this whole, like, Food Network kick, and I'm, like, trying my best because it's important to her, and she's trying new dishes. Now, I appreciate the product of the dish, but I don't really appreciate looking at, like, like, like the Food Network on TV. Like, I'd rather, like, I'll go to the other room, right? Like, I'll watch ESPN. We're good. But we don't grow that way, though. Y'all pray for me, because she's going to put the podcast on repeat. Like, remember when you had said Y'all pray for me. But we've got to nurture the important relationships. What, whatever is important to your husband, is it important to you? Come on. Come on. Is it, is it important to you? Are you investing in the ones that, that you love? We've got to invest in the meaningful relationships that we have. Um, the other thing that we've got to do, we've got to restore the broken relationships. Come on. Who did you fall out with that God didn't want you to cut off? That's big, and that's a whole other sermon series in that, like, who, who has God called you to forgive? Like, we've got to restore broken relationships. I believe God is calling us back to that. And then, but here's what we need to do, church. We need to sever harmful relationships. Listen, if, if a dude is showing you who he really is, you need to believe him. If you are seeing red flags, you need to check out. Because he is showing you who he really is. Come on, church. Come on. If she, if she has shown you red flags, if she is drawing you away in lust, you need to sever this relationship. Come on. If your homegirls are always trying to give you advice about men and they didn't ran through 20 men and they have no idea how to love or how to receive love, you need to sever some relationships because they are not going to set you up for your Boaz. They're not setting you up for your man of God. They're setting you up for like somebody that you will be settling for. When you can't see, you'll settle. And God wants you to see. And then here's the other thing that we've got to do. We've got to, we've got to uh, initiate meaningful relationships. We have to initiate meaningful relationships. How do you do that? Listen, I know relationships are challenging. It's tough. Who do I trust? Like, how, who can I really let in? 
Who can I really be transparent with? I know it's challenging. I know it's tough. But here's the deal. This is why I believe in small groups so much. And I'm excited to let you know that September 1st, we are going to launch our new season of our small group semester. We will have a small group for marriages. We will have a small group for singles. We will have a small group for finance. We will have a small group for single mothers. Wherever you are in life, there is a group that you can belong to. Why? So that you can initiate meaningful relationships. I'll dare to say this, small group is more important than Sunday. Because when you belong to a group, you're going to have an active group that's able to speak into your life, pray with you, go over scripture with you, cry with you, laugh with you, uh, share moments with you, do life together. We cannot do life alone. So in the next couple of weeks, you'll be able to sign up for the small group of your choice. And I am letting you know, small group is not an option. Small group is your lifeline. Small group is so important. And number three, Samson would tell us that failure isn't final. So Judges chapter 16, verse 28, I love this because Samson has been uh, made a mockery um, by the Philistines. He was their entertainment. Samson had, had been the epitome of strength. Now he's the epitome of stupidity. Like Samson was the laughingstock of all of Philistine. And so the Philistine people would have Samson come and entertain them while they got drunk. And it was 3,000 people in one building. And and they said, hey, y'all, they were drinking. Hey, y'all, y'all call Samson. We want to laugh a little bit. So what they would make him do is, is try to, uh, to, to engage in the strengthful things that he was able to do before. And they would laugh at him. And Samson praised this prayer with 3,000 people mocking him. He says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Oh, God, please strengthen me one more time with one blow let me pay back the philistines for my my loss of my two eyes i love god because he is a one more time type of god Come on, I think somebody needed to hear that today, that, that listen, you may have failed, you may have taken 56,250 steps in the wrong direction, but if you will cry out to God today, I believe that if you will say, God, give me one more chance, I believe that God will give you one more chance. He'll give you two more chances. He'll give you a hundred more chances. Why? Because he is rich in mercy. His grace is is unending wherever sin abounds grace abounds even more so Samson asks God for strength one more time he literally puts his hands on two pillars in this building and he pushed the pillar so hard there were thousands of people above him and below him and the building the whole structure came crashing down and in this one act of obeying God and being used by God, Samson kills more Philistines in one moment than he did in a lifetime. I wonder what would happen if you'll cry out to God and obey him when he meets you in your moment of pain. I wonder the difference that you'll be able to make in your life.